congratulations on graduating from college. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting to, to see how, you know, how we're all trying to celebrate these days, right? We're having these drive-by parties. We're posting signs outside on our front lawn. Um, and we're doing these Zoom calls where we're celebrating online. And it's interesting to see just how we've been trying our best to make the most out of our current times. And I'm sure for many of you guys who recently graduated, perhaps you're maybe tired of graduation parties. I know, I know in the, you know, in the Young Adult Fellowship at FCBC, we recently emailed you telling you that we have a celebration for you guys as well. And I'm sure you guys are just probably overwhelmed with celebrations. And, and really all we want to do is just be there for you. We want to hold all these events to honor you, to, to testify to your hard work, to demonstrate just how much we care for you and how much we appreciate you. And most of all, we want to really celebrate God's faithfulness in your life. Some of you guys maybe moving forward, you might be going to higher academia. Others of you might be entering the workforce. Some of you probably graduate and just immediately just looking to get married. I don't know. Whatever the future may hold for you, we all know that your next step is a crucial one. And graduating this year in 2020, it's not an easy thing to do because this year is not like any other year, right? You're entering into a world that's facing so much uncertainty, there's uneasiness in the air, and no one knows when this pandemic is gonna end. The country seems to be divided on every cultural issue, and the economy is it's just fighting to hold steady. And, and for some of you, if you graduate, you might be wondering here, so why me this year? It seems like the hope that you had entering your final year, remember that hope you had coming into your fall semester or fall quarter? That hope seems to be teetering on shaky ground right now. So what I want to do in this devotional is I want us to bring our attention back to the gospel. And I want us to to look back upon Christ. And And I want us to focus our minds and our hearts upon who Christ is. What I want to do is I want us to examine the foundation of your faith. And why you can have confidence in God and no matter where you are in life right now, no matter what walk you're in, whether you're, whether you're underclassmen or you're moving forward, no matter where you are, God, God is still there. God is still constant. You can have confidence in him. And so we're going to be digging through scripture a good amount. So I... Oh, I want to ask you guys to go grab your Bibles. Uh, if, it is, if they're around next to you, please, please go and grab Bibles or pull it up on your phone. And turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. Here in the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ is being presented as the Son of God. He is the word made flesh. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the very embodiment of grace and truth walking amongst us. And and Jesus Christ 
when he was doing his ministry here on earth, there were many followers with him. People, large crowds, thousands of people followed him. And Jesus knew that amongst the crowd, amongst all his followers, there were some of them who were true believers, and other of them who were false believers. They were the goats and the sheeps. And he, and he wanted to make sure, he wanted to differentiate the two. And that's what Jesus is doing here in chapter 8, verse 31. He's addressing the Jews who had believed him. The Jews who had believed him. And what this is referring to is, is referring to back to verse 30, where it says that many believed in him. And so we're talking about this many, this group of people who believed in him. And Jesus here is dialoguing with the Jewish people. He's dialoguing with the Pharisees and he's telling them he's the son of God. And he wants to make sure they know exactly what they're doing when, they're, when they say they believe in him. Many of you, especially those of you guys who graduated, many of you have probably joined a Christian fellowship on your campuses. And, and perhaps throughout college, you made leaps and bounds in your faith. You grew a lot because you were walking along with brothers and sisters in Christ. And you proclaim Christ and you believe in him. And yet, every once in a while, we need to come back and we need to re-examine our faith. We need to kind of make sure we know what we're believing in. We want to cement our faith on solid ground. And we want to see if how we are living right now truly represents what Jesus is teaching here in John chapter 8. So in John chapter 8 verse 31, Jesus says this to his crowd of Jewish people. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We know right away that the that there is this importance to truth in this passage. Truth, as you may know, is, is an objective thing, right? Truth is firm, it's grounded, it's stable. Truth does not change. If it, if it does change, can we truly call it truth? Truth stands tall in the midst of chaos and turmoil. And then here's the thing about truth. Everybody seeks for it. Everyone seeks for truth. Everyone wants to know what is true and what is false. Right? And that's why we have this whole notion of false news out there. Right? Scientists, they, they dedicate their lives to finding out the truth behind how things work in this universe. We, we see among society that people get angry, disoriented, and confused when they don't have the truth. Right? Consider how dangerous it is when you think truth is subjective. For instance, the current culture war on racism these days is there, there's this battle of truth going on. See, both sides are presenting their cases, believing what they hold on to, the data they have, the interpretation they hold on to is the truth. And they're battling on both sides because they believe they have what is true. And in the general public, you know, people like us, when we, when we read upon news or we, we're hearing these different opinions, you know, we tend to stand by those who we believe are telling the truth. We only really truly listen to those we trust, right? What we see here is that the world, 
The world is a battleground for truth. And so when Jesus here is talking, he's engaging with the Jewish people. He begins his conversation with them actually back in verse 12. And he tells them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus is the light that reveals the truth that's hidden in this dark world. Later on in John chapter 14, verse 6, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what we see here is that he is the light and the truth. In other words, if you know Jesus, you know the truth. Jesus Jesus says here, back here in chapter 8, verse 31, he says, Abide in his word. Abide in his word. That is, listen to what Jesus has to say here in scripture. Obey it. And by doing so, you come to know who Christ is. And you come to know truth. Then Jesus tells us here the direct result of knowing the truth. He says, the truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. What does Jesus mean by that? What are we being set free from? What, how does the truth set us free? These are questions we have to ask when we hear a statement like this. Let's take a look at how the Jewish people responded to him. Verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You see right here, the, the, the Jews, they didn't understand Jesus because they did not understand what they were being enslaved to. Note here their argument. They begin with their presupposition. He, they say, we are offspring of Abraham. We are offspring of Abraham. They, their identity here is directly tied to Abraham. They saw themselves as spiritually privileged and special in the eyes of God. And they're listening to Jesus and they're saying, slaves? Hardly. We are God's chosen nation. How can we be slaves to anyone? And Jesus here, upon hearing their response, Jesus is simply just shaking his head because they don't understand. They continue to follow down this path of ignorance. They think, they think that they are free because they are the offspring of Abraham. But notice how Jesus takes his time to engage with them. Right? Jesus here, he doesn't just you know, cast them off. He doesn't just mutter to them, okay, boomer, and then roll his eyes, right? Jesus does more than that. He looks at them squarely in his eyes and he tells them the truth. And here's then what Jesus means when he tells them about freedom. Verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Note here what Jesus is saying. Jesus telling them they are slaves to sin. This has nothing to do with their identity to Abraham. 
This has everything to do with their identity as a human being born in Adam's race. And this has everything to do with our identity as well. The truth is this, that we are all born sinners in the eyes of God, that we, we may work hard, we may earn the right to live comfortably in this world. We may have the right to speak out, to express ourselves, to have opinions, to express our individuality. We may be indeed Asian, American, black, white, Hispanic, or whatever other ethnicity you may be, or you may identify yourself with. But none of that removes the fact that you and me we are all sinners before God. But that's just the first part of this truth. Jesus then applies this truth to his audience. He's revealing them and showing them exactly where they, where they have failed in their thinking. Jesus tells them that those who are slaves to sin will not remain in God's house. The Jews, you see, they thought that they had an inherited entrance, an inherited spot, a place in the kingdom of God because they were Abraham's offspring. But Jesus looks upon them. He tells them that even they will not remain. Slaves of sin do not enter into God's house. Only those who belong to the Son do. Which leads us to the second part of this truth, that we are sinners in need of Christ, the Son of God. It is only Jesus who can truly set us free. There's no ethnic identity can set us free. No moral code, no amount of good work can ever set us free from the chains of sin. We need Christ, the Son of God, to set us free. And Jesus did just that. He did that when he united us with himself. Note how the truth sets us free back again, verse 31, verse 32. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Jesus is not saying, obey me, you'll be granted freedom. That if, if Jesus is saying that, that, that would be a work-based relationship. No, Jesus is saying, identify yourself with me. Be united with me. Be one with me. Right? Later on, in John chapter 15, verse 4, in John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, abiding to Jesus' word is abiding to Jesus himself. This is a union with Christ that sets us free. Because in our union with Christ, in our union with the Son of God, Jesus identifies himself with us. Jesus enters into this world, born of a woman. We have here divinity, the fullness of his divinity in human flesh. And he becomes like one of us so that he can die in our place. And on the cross, our sins become His to bear. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid the ransom of sin itself in order to set us free from sin. 
on the cross, we are united with Christ in his death. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We can see a direct effect of what this union looks like. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. See here, our death united in Christ's death. But Paul understands that there are two direct benefits from our union with Christ. Not only does Jesus identify himself with us, but we also get identified ourselves with Christ in his righteousness. And so we read the rest of Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is this union with Christ that sets us free to live by faith. For in Christ we have been made sons and daughters of God, no longer slaves to sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. We have here the perfect description of what this freedom looks like. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 to 11. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the death being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so, coming then back to John chapter 8. With this in mind, let us go ahead and look at this text again. Look at look at verse look at verse thirty one again. Look at Jesus' words. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now we understand what Jesus here is saying. He's saying that if if we abide in Christ and are united with him in his life, we will know the truth. The truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross as our substitute. And it's this truth that sets us free from the bondage of sin. So turf, graduates of 2020 and the rest of you collegians, Let this truth become your identity. Let this truth become your foundation, your banner, your hope. This is truth. The unshakable, immovable, unwavering truth. 
in a world that's filled with changing opinions and contradicting arguments, the truth of Jesus Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you proclaim, if you proclaim Christ as Lord and Savior, you are proclaiming this truth that stands eternal. But now specifically for you, graduates of 2020, let me go ahead and leave with you four applications from this from this message. Four applications as you enter into your next stage of life. First, remember that the truth sets you free from worldly desires. The, word, the truth sets you free from worldly desires. Every one of you who, who graduated, you're taking one step closer to making money. And, and you're going to start seeing some positives coming into your bank account. And, and if you're going to be living at home with your parents, man, you're rent free. You're just going to be, you're just going to be cashing it in. And, and before when you're in college, when you hear, you know, something like the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You, you know, if you're in college, you, you hear that you're just thinking, well, good thing we're broke. Well, that's about to change real soon. And let me warn you now that money is indeed enticing. Money indeed is enticing. Money, money is not everything. I think most of us know that. Most of us hold that to be true. Money is not everything. But money can give you access to many things. And as 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 describes the love of the world, we will see how the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life can all become stronger because of money. But the truth of Jesus Christ sets you free from worldly desires. Your sinful desires no longer have mastery over you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus tells us that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. And so what happens now that we are in Christ, your eyes and your mind is now focused upon the treasures of heaven. And you see the truth of Christ, the beauty of Christ and his salvation. And that truth sets you free from worldly desires. Second, the truth sets you free from the fear of man. And let's just be honest. College is a bubble. You lived in a bubble your entire time in college. Right, you, you attended college fellowship, you most likely spend most of your time with your Christian friends in your fellowship. Right? And and even in your time with unbelievers, it's probably just restricted to you know group projects in class or evangelism, cold contact evangelism that you do with your fellow friends from fellowship. You're now moving on into a broader world. Whether you're going to grad school, whether you're going to the workforce, you are going to now encounter more of this world and more of their beliefs. And you're going to be engaging with more unbelievers and even more believers who may hold to different opinions than you. And in order to fit in, or in order to feel appreciated, you may be tempted to hide some of your Christian views. For instance, I hear during this time, some companies... The, the atmosphere has become, there's this pressure in the atmosphere where certain 
Christian certain employees feel pressure to support the Black Lives Matter movement in their workplaces. And it's not it's not like a you know it's out there like if you don't support it you you you'll be fired or something like that. But but there is this social pressure amongst the workplace to do so. And and because of that, there there are then raises of fear, a fear of being either shunned at work or even worse, yeah, fired. You see, the truth sets you free from the fear of man because the truth grounds your identity in Christ. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, the beginning of true knowledge that God created this world and God is in control of this world and we must fear God alone. Jesus Christ sets you free to see that truth and embrace it, to fear God alone. The truth sets you free from the fear of the unknown, the fear of your future. You're you're graduating into an uncertain world, an uncertain future. We see here with COVID-19, with political divisions, with the constant anxiety flowing in the air. It's, It's natural to be fearful of leaving your college bubble. And it's okay. It's it's okay to fear to fear. The unknown. But I want us to. I want to remind you that we do have this truth. The truth that you are united with Christ, and in Christ we are adopted as children of God. In Galatians chapter four verse seven, says, "So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And we have that because of Christ. Your future is secure because your future holds heavenly rewards." The truth sets you free to embrace the riches of Christ, to step forward in confidence into this world, because in Christ, your hope is set. And no matter what happens, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Finally, the fourth application, the truth sets you free to be compassionate towards people. In the battle for truth, Anger and frustration can so easily arise. And people can feel like they're not being heard. And and sometimes they're right. They're not being heard. And and what we see here, we see here that many times in the world when 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 we're frustrated with our, with other people's opinions and we're and everyone's talking over each other as Christians, we have to be careful because sometimes we too can get caught up in the heat of the moment. And this word of truth of Jesus Christ reminds us that we know the truth only because Jesus only because Jesus saved us. We are sinners, or we were sinners, blinded to the truth, just like everyone else. And it is by the grace of God alone that we stand united in truth, united in Christ. We have to remember that this truth that we have is not our truth. This truth that we have is the truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the truth sets you free from your anger, sets you free from your need to be right. It sets you free for your heart to be empathetic and compassionate towards others. It makes you, the truth makes you a peacemaker, someone who listens, someone who speaks with gentleness. The truth proclaims Christ boldly, courageously, and lovingly with all the tenderness and care for the souls of the world.
this, this truth is amazing because it sets us free to embrace Christ for who he is and what he has done for us. With that, let me go and pray for us. And we'll keep moving on with our program. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the truth that you have revealed to us in Christ Jesus. May we then continue to find ourselves hidden in your truth so that Christ may be proclaimed. Father, I pray that you would you continue, Lord, to, to walk with us. And I pray, Lord, that you will be with those who have graduated, with those, those of them who are moving on, moving on their next steps in life. I pray, God, that you will watch over them, that you'll protect them, that you'll keep them. And that, Lord, they will hear your voice and they will follow you. I pray, Father, that the truth that you have laid upon our hearts will ground them and anchor them, Lord, in their faith. That, God, every decision they make now will be a decision made to please you. I pray, God, that you'll be with them as they face, Lord, as they face their future, as they face this world, as they face what's coming. I pray, God, that you remind them that you're watching over them, you're protecting them, and that there is much comfort to be found in you. So, Lord, thank you for tonight that we be able to gather around and be able then to look at your word, to see how your word anchors us. And, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Oh, Lord, we will not be able to do this we would not be able to fellowship together like this without you. So thank you, God, for such a gift. Be with us for the rest of this night. I pray all this in your name. Amen.